This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the Heroes of HP12, the podcast that's all about the greatest football club in the land, Wiccan Wanderers. I'm Michael Kenny, and I'm joined by Chairboys Uber fans Adam Cooper, Dan Clark, and Damian Farrar Hockley. Coming up, we're analysing last night's crucial 2 0 win over Bristol Rovers, Saturday's disappointing defeat at Burton, and previewing this weekend's playoff six pointer against Barnsley. Let's kick off with the action from this past weekend as the Blues travelled to Burton Albion, seeking to build upon a fine midweek win over Fleetwood. The game got off to a quick start, but not in Wickham's favour, as the Brewers raced ahead with first-half goals from Dale Taylor and Joe Powell. Burton found themselves at a disadvantage just before half-time, as Dej Ojolaja was shown a straight red for a studs-up challenge on Lewis Wing. But despite the numerical advantage, the Blues were unable to turn the game in their favour. Nick Freeman glazed the post with a long-range strike, and Joe Jacobson blazed his spot kick high over the bar, before TJ DeBar pulled one back, his first EFL strike ultimately being little more than a consolation, as the hosts secured a vital win in their relegation battle. Adam, this was a frustrating one, uh, a defeat that we jokingly predicted on the last episode. I'm not going to point any names at that score prediction. Um, But what positives did you take from this setback, if any? Let's start by being completely honest. That first 45 minutes was an absolute abomination, wasn't it? It was uh, it was as bad as the previous Tuesday was good. Um, and everything that we said last week, um, Chris Farino and Jack Grimmer looked like they'd never met each other for the first 45 minutes. Um, and it, it was real tough going. Um, as far as positives, I think we... We're, we really woke up in the second half. There are obviously words words had. Um, I don't know why we seem to be getting caught really, really square early in games. Um, it happened last night as well. We'll touch on that in a bit, I'm sure. But we seem to be getting caught really, really square. And one, what looks to be relatively simple ball, kind of cuts us in half. So, um, so yeah, that was disappointing. But I think the, the second half display was much improved. Um, and, you know... I, 
on another day, Nick Freeman's shot is half an inch to the right and it goes in. Joe Jacobson doesn't miss his penalty and, you know, we come away with with something. Um, even though the performance is quite, is quite poor, um, I think it just really shows what this division is like. You know, we are the absolute prime example of that and we've been in, at this level long enough to understand that anyone can beat anyone on their day. Um, I was reading a bit from their manager before the game and he said, you know, Wickham are the blueprint for a club of that size. You know, we're sort of similar sort of size clubs wanting to do similar sort of things, I would think. And, um, yeah, we just didn't look like we knew what to do with the ball when we had an awful lot of it. Um, we, we weren't clinical enough. Um, positives, we, we created quite a lot. I'm not one of these people who will sit down and analyse stats after games. I prefer to watch football with my eyes and decide for myself. But... Um, you know the numbers weren't horrific. It's not like we've gone away and we've not had a shot on target and we've uh, we've walked away having been absolutely battered. It was just a very, very, very disappointing day at the office. I'm more annoyed with the fact that we've uh, tarnished our record against Tunisian managers. That's our first <laughs> loss against a Tunisian manager. So uh, you know, playoffs aside, that's that's one record down the pan. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was shocking first off. I kind of came away pretty upset because I thought it was one of those where we come off to two and win against Fleetwood on Tuesday. I thought, oh, we're, we're in here. This is this is setting us up nicely for the rest of the season. We've only really got Ipswich and Barnsley to play. Uh, we're in kind of like challenging up there now. We should be absolutely fine. I was telling my kids on the way down, oh, this is a surefire win, you know, we'll, we'll do this, it'll be absolutely fine. <laughs> Lo and behold, very poor performance. I kind of came away thinking about it afterwards and, and thinking, well, why did that happen? I mean, Burton, yeah, they've been all right, but we should be playing better than that. And I think the difference was, compared to Fleetwood, was that Wheeler and Freeman really did the defensive job that Lewis Wing was doing on Saturday. Lewis Wing played deep so much, and obviously that's not his fault. That's just where he was put. But I think because he was playing that deep role, it wasn't giving him the creative freedom to do anything up front. And that was stifling us. And you, you look, and obviously we'll touch on Bristol Rovers in a bit, but given that freedom, what a difference it makes. I mean, that, and I think it kind of highlights, I know we talk about Josh being an absolute you know, crooks of our midfield, but I think Lewis Wing is probably more so at the moment in terms of a creative creative output. So, yeah, I'm going to put it down to that because as soon as uh, Josh came on in the second half, Lewis went up and we started a few more chances. And you know, if as as Adam said, if JJ put away his penalty, we would have come away at least two two. So positives: TJ scored. TJ looked good. I think. Uh, Matt Bloomfield's obviously an avid listener of this podcast because we were there bigging up TJ on Tuesday on, on <laughs> last week, and uh, you know, lo and behold, he's got a start on like last night, and he's scored must on Saturday. Be and must be us. <clears throat> well, if we can uh, elevate him up to a twenty-a-goal-a-season striker, then we'll make every Wickham fan's dream come true, won't we? I think we've got to look at it a li- with a little bit of perspective. Uh, when they came down to us. At the start of the season, they didn't look like they'd ever met each other, basically. Um, worst team I've seen for a long time. Um, but Jimmy Floyd clearly wasn't working for them. Uh, they've got this new guy in. They've, they've actually improved their home record. 
they can't buy a win away from home. But at home, they're not the walkovers that many Wiccan fans may have gone there thinking they're going to be. And for that reason, I think, yeah, like you say, ifs and buts, if things had gone our way, we could have easily got something out of the game. But I don't think it was going to be as easy as maybe we predicted last week. The, the talk of 8-0, I don't think it was ever going to work. But, um, but yeah, I think we should have possibly got something out of the game if things had gone our way. Look, there's nothing wrong with an 8-0 score prediction. and I'm sure that's not <laughs> going to be the end of, of some nice kind of uh, optimistic score predictions. One thing that, um, I mean, football logic always goes out the window, particularly when you're talking this level and maybe Wickham Wanderers. I remember going to games back in the day and saying to my dad, oh, well, they beat that team that and they beat that team that. So mathematically, we should beat that team that. And then you watch us get a draw if we're lucky. So football, football, as they say, it's a funny old game. I mean, last night, Peterborough go uh, to the Pirelli and they come out 5-2 winners. So, it, you know, it, it's a case of it's just such an unpredictable league. The one thing that I wanted to ask you guys, though, is given how congested the fixtures have been recently they've been coming real thick and fast you know new manager coming in new systems coming in given the fact that we played so well against Fleetwood midweek to then have the performance that just looked like the complete opposite on the Saturday do you think there was a case that burnout could have potentially have been a factor possibly um I think when you look as well we have got you know we've got some knocks we've got players who aren't playing quite quite a hundred percent uh, I think the other thing that you have to remember is that the Blooms are still very, very early days and still getting his message across. And um, to go Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, you're missing a day's training on a Wednesday. But not only that, you're probably missing a Monday as well, because I would imagine on a Monday they're probably doing recovery and shape for the Tuesday game. Whereas if you haven't got any games at all that week, I'd imagine the whole week running up to that game is very much aimed towards planning for that opposition. So I don't think the the fixture pile-up, so to call it, um, has helped him. Um, But saying that, there is absolutely no logic whatsoever to the fact that the two games we've won have been the Tuesday night games when we've had very little time to to prepare. So I I think until the end of this season, we're going to have to accept that we are going to be inconsistent. Um, It's always going to happen with a new manager. Um, you know, very seldom do we see a new manager come in and all of a sudden you win 10 on the spin. You know, there's normally a little bounce at the beginning, then a lull, um, and then things start to settle out into some sort of consistency. So, you know, I'm not necessarily concerned about it, but I think, you know, quite a small squad anyway, particularly with what's gone on recently with, you know, obviously Alfie and, and Anis has gone and, you know, a lot of young players coming in. We spoke about last week, you know, Chem getting minutes in his legs, TJ getting minutes in his legs um, and the importance of that. Um, I think you have to consider all of these things and just be be a little bit sensible about where we are. You know, if we, go, if we get into the playoffs, it'll be an absolute bonus with what's happened since January. Um, but, yeah, I'm not too concerned for the longer-term success of the club. Um with the performances, I think it's just a mixture of that, you know, lack of planning time, lack of time for Blooms to get his message over, lots of injuries and a small squad just sort of starting to catch up with us at the end of the season. Yeah, it's tough schedule. You know, it is, you know, he's, he's literally had to get into the job, with, uh, you know, uh, running at 100 miles an hour. Um, and I think that extra time would, you know, benefit him well. But... Uh, the level 
you know the the experience that he's he's probably got from these first few games has, has set him up nicely for the for the rest of the season. I think there's a massive there's a massive job to do. You know, we I said this last week. We're playing in the most competitive league one ever, um, and the fact that we're still kind of cutting it amongst the elite is a is a positive and with a depleted squad with players that haven't played in the EFL before that's you know Tuesday night was TJ's first EFL start and look at the kind of performance you know called him the Gibraltar Alex Samuel because of how much he uh, <laughs> run at the defenders uh it's it's good to see. I'm I'm quite excited by the fact that we had Arnold Machazi on the bench on Tuesday. We had um, Christy Ward who's come back off a good spell, and I know they've been playing in the National League South, but um, they seem like they've got something to prove, and they've got a bit of bite about them. Um, and I think at the moment, especially up top, that's that's probably something we need. We need someone with fire in their belly that's going to start running at running at defenders. So, um, you know that that depth for for players that are actually hungry to try and prove themselves probably will work in our benefit despite the fact they're inexperienced um probably if i rule with my head over my heart i'm gonna say that the inexperience might catch up with us at the end um i'd like to hope that it wouldn't um but you know we'll see how we go saturday we're playing against apart from sheffield wednesday the most informed team in the league who are absolutely storming at the moment i mean they beat plymouth three nil on saturday so you know, but then we beat them 3-0 of theirs. So, who Football knows? Math. Football math, yeah. Well, it's exactly the same thing. We lost 2-1 to Burton and then Peterborough beat them 5-2 and we beat Peterborough 3-0. So, it's just, it's just one of those leagues this year, isn't it? Mm. So, we'll see how we go. I think all in all, though, uh, depth, considering we're talking about depth in the moment and struggling for it, I'm quite excited for summer. And I know we'll probably touch on that a bit later on, but uh, yeah, uh, considering some of the you know, play that we saw last night, especially uh, some really good opportunities uh, coming up uh, to to see who we, you know, see who we sign. I, I think uh, everyone's looking for consistency at this point, um, especially as uh, on the run in. Um, like you said, we're playing a team like Barnsley on Saturday, and some people might go into the game the fearing the worst. But I just think looking at last night and the passion that. Matt Bloomfield showed at the end. Um, I just think, well, he feels like we feel on a, on a match day, uh, but he has control over that. And I just think we we need to tap into that. Basically, we know the manager's not in it for the money; he's in it for the for the love of the club. And yeah, if we can get this get the consistency a little, just a little bit more, not doesn't have to be top of the league, but a little bit more um, regular, then I think we'll be fine. And I genuinely think we still have a chance in the playoffs. So we move on to uh, the midweek fixture against Bristol Rovers last night. It was a quick turnaround on the road as Wickham journeyed to Joey Barton's Bristol Rovers for another midweek fixture. In the build-up, the Rovers manager damned the chairboys with faint praise, describing Bloomfield and his boys as competent. Well, competent was just what we served as the Blues secured the league double over their opponents with a sharp Hanlon strike 15 minutes in before an unchecked Chem Campbell sealed the win and the points with a close range effort in the second half. Rovers were unfortunate not to get on the score sheet and probably would have if not for several big saves from Matt Strike, who continues to shine in his maiden season with the club. 
Right. Now, this isn't in the script, but we were going to be joined by James Richens from the Bucks Free Press, who was going to talk about some interesting things that were said by the Rovers manager, Joey Barton, after the game. We all noticed that Rovers went very quiet on the socials afterwards. Uh, Dan, you have uh, you've heard Joey's words, Joey boy. Um, what are we thinking and uh, what exactly did he say? I think Joey Barton's probably taking it from the Wickham bingo card. Um, that I see pop up every time we beat a team like that. Uh, I think I'm just reading a quote here. He says, they've beaten us twice, but I don't think if you watch them play, I wouldn't like to play that. It's horrendous football. You just boot it. I think if anything, uh, that's not the case last night. We we looked much better, much improved from Saturday. And I, I, I don't know what game he was watching. I don't even know if he was there. To be honest, um, I think we dominated. Um, you know, we dominated the midfield. Really, we we looked much better than than they did. We we strung passes. I mean, that second goal, the way that McCleary just walked through their defence. Um, you know that that that's uh, very unlike us. But it was it was really nice to see. And again, it was one of those games where we had glimpses of Bloomfield and all that despair from Saturday and going, oh, well, the playoffs are gone now. We're just waiting to see what happens at the end of the season. Now I'm thinking, oh, we're three points away from Bolton and they've got Sheffield Wednesday on Friday. So, oh, we could be in here. So, you know, let's let's see how we go. But Joey, Joey Barton, yeah. I mean, the guy shouldn't even be in football, to be honest. I think he's an absolute <laughs> joke. And and the fact that he's, he's coming out saying stuff like that when it, he needs, just needs to look at his own team and look at his own downfall and, and realise... Do you know what? They 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 need to sort themselves out for next season because you look at your Oxfords this season who were doing well last year and this year. You know the Carl Robinson's taken down the table. Um, they might be okay with Liam Manning, but I'm hoping not. But we'll uh, you know that that could be them next season if he's not mm. careful. I th- I think if you look at the um, montages that the club have put out of the passing game that we had last night, it was twenty odd passes leading up to a chance uh, it just completely nullifies what Joey Barton said about us um, I just don't get where he's coming from and even their local press were saying it on Twitter last night it's a hor- horrible club and a horrible way to play football just think what are they watching it just doesn't make sense to me uh, I don't even know their fans disagreed yeah even their exactly. fans disagree with that so and I just, I just, I just think they need to. It's starting to show that we're not using a quarterback system like we did when we had Morrison and Taff playing at the back. Um, and especially, and we need to be adaptable like that because when we haven't got Vokes, we haven't got that target man. Hanlon's good at holding the ball up, but he's not going to win headers like Vokes does. So to play the passing game, I think, is just the way forward. Personally, yeah, I would agree. Um, to be honest with you. Even when he was a player, I didn't listen to a word that Joey Barton said. Um, yeah, without getting myself in, in trouble, we all know his history and his past. And to me, there is a huge question as to whether he should actually be allowed to to manage in the game. Um, Absolutely. Personally, if I was a Bristol Rovers fan, I would be very, very, very uncomfortable Um with him managing my side, particularly how prevalent certain charities such as Her Game 2 and all of that are down in Bristol. Um, I think it's another conversation for another day when uh, 
we're not going to be going into a public domain for me to have a full rant on Joey Barton, but it just, to me, exposes what sort of a club Bristol Rovers are. Um, and they always have been, to be honest with you. And, you know, we always, we always joke um, that I took my little one there before COVID, so he'd have been probably three. Um, and he was getting abuse off of Bristol Rovers fans walking out of the ground. No. Um, and, yeah, it's just... At, it, it, it's a very, very, very strange football club. Um, yeah, as as football fans, we're all um, we all believe that our team are the best. We all believe that the opposition are terrible and that the referee has been rubbish. But sometimes you just got to put your hands up and say, "Do you know what? We're outplayed." Um, and I think Jerry Barton would have been much better off coming out last night and saying, "We're outplayed. We're outdone. Fair play. Move on to the next game." Because they have got a real tough run of fixtures coming up. And could find themselves oh, yeah. in trouble. Recently, I put on Twitter. You know how everybody was doing the you know rate the team based on who you love and who you're neutral about and who you got a soft spot for and who you dislike. But I, I stick by this. I don't hate any football club. I don't even hate Milton Keynes. I just don't feel anything for them at all. Um, which could be worse. Um, Bristol Rovers were in the neutral. I just don't really care about them. But one of my most unpleasant memories ever. Uh, as a Wickham fan at Adams Park was the the game in in 2014 just before Torquay where you know that 2-1 defeat uh where their fans spilt onto the pitch i remember leaving adams park that day and uh, i'll never forget it because it was one of the bleakest longest walks up sands i can ever remember and it was just i i just i appreciate that their fans at the time thought and truly believed that they were kind of out of the scrap at the time and you would you know you'd be celebrating that but there is a certain way to celebrate a win and there is a way to not celebrate and the way they acted after that game down sands uh was uh pretty repugnant to be honest with you um now let's try and talk i mean i think one day we might do a joey barton special um personally i don't I don't really care, like I said, um, but you know, I, I understand how certain clubs can make certain fans feel. Let's talk about the positives, though. You know, uh, a two-nil win, uh, a good win, some fantastic performances once again, defying, you know, what we saw at the weekend. Once again, football—it's a strange, strange sport. League One is a strange league, but um, you know, given the fact that. You know, when when the lineup was announced just before the game, you know, and the knee jerkers were like, oh, my goodness, what on earth is this? And then like 90 minutes later, it is amazing. Bloomfield Ball is going to get us into the championship. Um, We've been missing some real big names lately, but this squad continues to defy and continues to prove their worth. Um, We mentioned in chat a couple of days ago that, you know, Brandon Hanlon, you know, he was struggling a little bit, you know, will run for days, but his output, you know, sometimes is is lacking. Uh, just one example, you know, who impressed you, uh, Damien, who impressed you the most last night? I really want to put a big shout out for Gareth McCleary last night. Mm. I believe that he's been getting a little bit of bad, sort of, not bad press, but bad uh, comments about him, saying he's tired and he's old, things like that. I just thought last night, every time he went forward, he scared the hell out of the defence. And he brought other players into the game. I mean, Hanlon was just having a great time because they were gravitating towards McCleary, leaving him free. And I just, I thought he had one of his best games of the season last night for us. Um, the other one, I, I just can't get over how good a save Max Drake made in the second half. Oh, 
So good. One arm up in the air. How he saved that. And he has been a revelation. I mean, I went to his first game uh, at Barnsley away. Thought he's pretty good at shot stopping, but his game just come on so much. And last night epitomised what I think of him. So those those are the two players who really impressed me last night. Hannon's strike was great. But if I had to pick out two players, those were the ones that I really thought, yeah, I really like their performances. Yeah, for me, I think, um, yeah, I'd agree, Gareth needs a, a massive shout-out. We know that he's been, since he came to us, managing a pretty horrific um, injury. And, you know, his, his training schedule and his gym schedule and his fitness schedule is very different to everybody else's. Um, I actually don't think he's been that bad this season. I think in the modern day, and I'm going to start people ranting here, but in the modern day, I think we are far too quick to start looking at stats. What I will say to the 19 and 20-year-old kids who are looking at stats is football for the last God knows how many hundreds of years has been watched with people's eyes and we have managed without stats. Um, Brandon Hanlon, um, uh, I've been in fits reading the comments about him because there's one particular person on Twitter whose name I won't mention, but last week was saying he needs to be dropped. Uh, he's only scored two goals and got one assist, I think. The same person then... Um, tweeted something about the amount of jewels that he's won since January and it's like fourth or fifth in the uh, in the league so you can use stats to to show a player being very good or being very bad um, as far as yesterday was concerned I think Hanlon playing as that nine um, was was really good to see it was quite interesting to see I think TJ had a very good game uh, it was really nice to see Chris Freno and Jack Grimmer keep another clean sheet and I think it just shows that that Saturday was a blip um, and you could see what it meant to Jack afterwards. And, uh, and yeah, it, it, it would have been nice had TJ not picked up that yellow card to have seen to have seen him perhaps get through 90 minutes. Um, but other than that, lots and lots of positives. Um, and like Damien said, uh, I mean, the one save from Max, there was five or six notable saves, but the one save from Max, I think he's had some sort of involuntary muscle spasm because there's just absolutely no way on this earth that a human can make that kind of save. It was absolutely incredible. It says everything when Struyek's getting compared to Martin Taylor. And I think mm -hmm. in Wickham fan folklore, if you're getting compared to Martin Taylor, you're done all right. So... Uh, he's been an absolute revelation. I mean, I remember when we started the season and everyone was raving about Nathan Bishop coming in. Bishop who now? You know, we've got Struyek in and he's he's been an absolute sensation. He's a great pickup, a great signing. And you know, I hope that uh, recruitment mentality carries on into the summer because if we can pick up players who are, you know, uh, coming from teams like Livingston um, to, to play for us and, and absolutely commit when... Livingston was saying, uh, you know, oh, we're glad we're rid of him. But then Bristol Rovers said the same about Hanlon. I think there was uh, Tom from Bristol said that my nan has got more composure. So I'm looking forward to signing <laughs> Tom's nan in the summer. So <laughs> that would be that'd be a nice one. I mean, in terms of last night, I really think, I, I don't think there was a bad performance. Um, I know we're saying we don't look at stats, but I think all the all the players looked at seven seven point fives apparently on a lot of the apps and things like that i mean i don't know if that stands for much because erlin harland got 9.7 when he scored five goals so i don't know what you need to do to get a 10 um but all in all they all had a great game and it was a real team effort you know tj up top was just well oh, just 
again, Alex Samuel with bite. Um, you know, Hanlon just looks better and better in that position as, as he goes along. But with Hanlon, he needs that supply and uh, touch him on what I said before, having the freedom of Lewis Wing to do what he wants, spray the ball around, run around wherever he wants in midfield and, and you know, pick pick out passes, long balls on short balls. What, what a difference that makes. Um, I think Matty now really to kick on has got to realise that, that, you know, the crux to us winning is is the shape of that midfield. I don't think we even missed folks last night and I love Sam. I think he's, you know, he has a lot to our game, but it's actually reassuring that, you know, if, if Sam is injured, that we're not going to struggle for goals and we're not going to struggle for, for supply uh, to the, to McCleary, to chairman and what have you. So I thought McCarthy even had a good game as well. He was running up and down the wing like nobody's business. It, you know, he just, all of them had a great game. Um, I just love seeing that. I've, I've watched that string of passes uh, that Wickham put up last night quite a few times over and thinking, God, this isn't this isn't what we're used to, but it's quite nice to see. Um, and the fact that we've even had teams uh, like fans, Bristol Rovers fans, that that complimenting us on our play last night is uh, starting to change things a bit. So I think Blooms, as I say, he's got a few more games to go in terms of actually getting what he wants and probably a you know a transfer window as well. But you know, we're seeing glimpses of what he's capable of here and it's, you know, for a manager that's a few months into his, his career, it's cracking. It's good. Just jumping on to something that you, uh, that, that you said there, Dan. Interested, I was having this conversation earlier with somebody, interested to, um, to find out who everybody sees it, uh, as our best goalkeeper in history and do we think that Max is, is at Martin Taylor's point? In my opinion, I think Martin Taylor is the best goalkeeper in our history. As much as I loved Heidi, um, just uh, really interested to know if we think Max is there yet or not. Well, I think so. I think he's he's close to it. I mean, Martin's gave us some cracking years, didn't he? You know, we had the FA Cup semi-final run with him, and you know, he was he was the first uh, kind of keeper when I started watching back in 97. Well, the first keeper was John Cheese, right, for me. So, you know, um, <laughs> he, had a, he had a decent, decent kind of level to start what off with think? there, but did Martin. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, we've had we've had quite a few keepers over the years, but Max definitely ranks up there. He's, he's brilliant and he just gets on. He's obviously got a lot of passion. Um, I just, I'm, I'm excited by him. I, we just need to sign him up. That's that's the key now. I don't know. I can't. I can't remember how long a contract he's on, but we need to keep him. Martin Taylor for me is anyone ever asked me who my favourite Wiccan player of all time is? It's just Martin Taylor straight away immediately. I mean, there's a conversation for Steve Brown, and I, I always have a soft spot for Chris Vinnikan and Sean Devine. Always play those that kind of era of players. I'm, I'm Keith Keith Ryan, Jesus. Keith Scott. Yeah, Jesus, obviously. Um, Martin Taylor is always the absolute first name for me. I've always been a big fan of goalkeepers. Um, and a funny story, when I was younger, Martin Taylor was the guy that taught me if I was going to go up to a footballer, don't call them by their second name. Don't do not do what the commentators do. Call them by their first name. Or, in Martin Taylor's case, call him Sir. Um, so I always called him Sir whenever I used to see him in the bars afterwards. He, he never forgot me. I never forgot him. Max is... Uh, of all the goalkeepers that have come and played at HP12 since Martin Taylor, Big Max is, is. I mean, we've had some great goalkeepers come and go, 
you know, I mean, Matt Ingram did fantastic for us before he went. Um, you know, but back in the day when it was Martin Taylor, Mark Osborne and Mark Westhead, Martin Taylor made those two goalkeepers just seem so, just so bang average. Um, you know, let's not talk about Brian Parkin. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> that's all, all I want to say about Martin Taylor. What an absolute legend. Big Max is definitely capable of, of kind of cementing his place in Wickham folklore. I think he's kind of got it all. He commands the box well. He organises the players in front of him. Fantastic shot stopping. Really good game management. Uh, I think he's got everything. I think he could be better because I think Martin, I think Martin Taylor used to, there, there was sometimes a bit of a flap when the ball used to be played to his feet. Uh, he was never the most comfortable playing with his feet. Um, whereas I think Max is pretty competent in that regard as well. He can he can create chances. Turns. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So no, I I love him, and I think he's had such a fantastic first season. And yeah, like you said, Dan, <laughs> we got to sign him down. Uh, at least uh, I mean we got to stop Gaz coming back for a bit of a old club raid because given what's going on at Loftus Road at the moment. Um, you know, which with, with last night, which we will quickly touch upon in a minute. Uh, yeah, yeah, we need to protect our players. One thing I will say about Martin Taylor is one of the funniest things I ever saw, and it's early dark arts, was the ball was played to his feet and no one was running at him, so he just stood there with his feet and as a player was running at him, a striker, and he basically looked at the player, gestured as if he was going to pick his nose with his glove, his hair and then picked up the ball right in front of the player and I just thought he had the, the confidence to do that and I, I see it in Max now because you know he's we've been accused of using dark arts a lot Max doesn't tend to do that I don't think as much apart from when he gets injured after every goal but Max, Max is just one of those players that I couldn't agree more he, we've got to sell him up simple as that Let's quickly, before we preview this weekend's action, uh, I, I mentioned it, the old gaffer, he's having a bit of a nightmare uh, with, with QPR. Last night, 6-1 defeat, ironically, at Bloomfield Road. Uh, that's cruel, cruel irony. Um, but yeah, 6-1 defeat against fellow relegation contenders, Blackpool. Oh, it's, it's, it's looking like a bit of a poisoned chalice in West London, isn't it? It looks horrible, doesn't it? It's, um, look, we said... When he went, it, it, it's going to take him time. He's not the sort of manager who is going to go in and and his philosophy is going to be imprinted on the brains of all the players within sort of three or four games. He's a long-term manager. He needs to, to get rid of the bad eggs um, and to bring players in who are willing to buy into his philosophy. You know, you only have to look at the videos and the pictures from the, the hacker exercise that he did with them and half the squad couldn't look less interested. You know, there's there's rumours of... Players not turning up to training, getting into fights on a training ground, falling out on the coach on the, on the way to away games. The club is an absolute car crash. Um, and I think when you look at the the QPR supporters' message boards, generally speaking, I think most of them are quite supportive of him um, and more critical of of the likes of Les Ferdinand and the owners of the club. Um, you'd like to think that they wouldn't make the same mistake twice and that they wouldn't go and give somebody a three and a half year deal. On, on pretty big bucks if they weren't planning on him being a, a longer-term solution to their current problem. But having been at Wickham for for sort of 11 or 12 years, you can't imagine anything worse than, um, 
often, you know, him losing his job after eight or ten games. But let's uh, let's hope that he can turn things around. They've got a big couple of games coming up. I think they're Birmingham on Saturday and then Wigan. Um, you know, re- realistically, they want to be coming out of those games with with four points and a little bit more confidence. And and in my mind, I I think that probably that probably just puts them in a in a bit more of a positive situation and probably sees them safe if they can pick up points where they should do after that. But yeah, they need a they need a couple of results very quickly. It's been a deep rooted problem there for years, hasn't it? It's well before Gaz's time. It's they've obviously not got the uh, the right the you know structure in place for it. I think that I don't I don't think there's going to be a massive overhaul of Wickham players over to QPR to be honest and there's two reasons for that is one I don't think Gas will have as much control of the recruitment as we think he does um, that seems to be very much in Les's pocket and the QPR fans don't like him for that but second of all um, I think QPR have aspirations for the Premier League and as much as we idolise our players I don't think that they will probably look towards using them for a top half push for the championship next season so I can't really see Josh Gowan going mainly because obviously the troubles that he had at QPR last time my worries are on Max and Lewis Wing but we'll see what happens I just can't see a massive overhaul at this stage I think there's a lot more that needs to be done at that club and I think probably with the fact the amount that they've invested in Gaz they'll probably invest some big bucks in the summer and, and bring some big players in from abroad and Scotland and everywhere else. I don't actually think many of our players will want to go there simply because they might be in the same division as us next season. It's not a step up. Even if they're not, are they are they their supporters going to take to them buying League One players? I don't think they will. Even if they are ex players like Scowan. But um I just I, I don't actually see much of our squad actually wanting to go there right now. Whatever happens, we do wish, obviously, the old gaff uh, the best there. And we do hope the situation improves. But from what we're seeing, it just looks like he, he really has a battle on his hands. We'll see what the coming weeks uh, bring up for them. But we turn our attention back to HP12 this week for the biggest test of Matt Bloomfield's reign so far. Our opponent this Saturday, a high-flying, free-scoring Barnsley in imperious form, having won eight of their last ten games, with Michael Duff seeking an immediate return to the Championship in an impressive first season in charge of the club. Our visitors, as we mentioned, are beatable, however, something ably demonstrated in the reverse fixture in August as the Blues ran out deserved victors in an excellent 3-0 win with goals courtesy of Anis Mimetti, Dom Gape and Nick Freeman. Uh, Adam, this is a big one. This is a big challenge. This is a good opportunity for us to really see what blooms and what the boys are made of at this point in the season. What are your thoughts? What are your hopes? What are your fears? Give me a one-all draw now and I'll uh, I'll bite your arm off. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, they're in, uh, they're in really good form, aren't they? Um, mm-hmm. Good manager who I know is a good mate of... Um, of blooms so he'll want to be getting one over on his mate um i think what happened earlier in the season hurt them and if you look at the run that they went on after uh, after we beat them after that ridiculous game where we i think the players were just having a competition with each other of who could score the best goal to be perfectly honest with you uh, that was a day that don gape scored from halfway line if i remember mm, rightly yep um yeah so i think they'll want to be coming to our place and and avenge that 
I think goal difference will become a a big part of uh, of the mix over the next two or three weeks. I, I really, really hope that we don't get get gubbed. Um, they are that sort of side who who have the ability to really go for the throat when they're winning. Um, but yeah, I hope hope that uh, we got one or two fit. And like you say, that Matt's got a plan, which I'm sure he has. You know, got new analyst in, so he's starting to build his team. Um, and yeah, I'm relatively relatively confident that we can come away with something. But like I say, I'd be very very happy with a draw. Level with you? I'm scared. They, yeah, they look good. I mean, coming off a, I know Plymouth have been a bit up and down, but a three 0 win against them on Saturday, they look good. I think the only thing that we've really got going for us is our home form looks pretty good at the moment as well. Uh, I don't think that will that'll change. And the fact that we beat them three nil at theirs, and they, to be honest with you, I was at that game. They didn't really look great, but appreciate we're you know half a season down the line and they're uh, they've kicked on since then. Um, I'm gonna I'll take a draw. I mean, it depends on what happens on Friday. Uh, you know, if uh, you know Sheffield Wednesday win three nil, uh, then the four nil winner do me nicely. Thank you very much, just to get us into the playoffs. So, I I just I would be happy with the draw. We've got, you know, Forest Green and Cambridge and MK Dons coming up. You know, we're playing and Morecambe. I think we're playing all four of the relegation zone we've got coming up. So, you know, we 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 can win those points elsewhere when. The, the other teams are playing big big teams so yeah I, we just I hope the attendance is big enough and I hope because I think that will play a part uh, I really hope we we kind of get seven eight thousand so so not an eight nil prediction but hopefully eight thousand in attendance yeah yeah we don't need to win eight nil now because the goal difference has gone down from Bolton and I'm hoping that <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday will knock a few more off we're we're five Five goals off uh, Bolton now, so five nil. You know, would have done nicely last. Was it no, seven nil? Would have done nicely last night. I think I put that prediction on earlier on, but uh, I think we're down to five now. So hopefully next week we'll be talking about a three nil win, and that seems a bit more realistic. I think Barton would have evaporated if we would have beaten them seven nil last night. Absolutely, it, yeah, and that would have done us all a favour, wouldn't it? <laughs> I was at Barnsley as well earlier in the season, and. We had an imperious Alfred Mawson that day. We had a straight making his debut, who was brilliant. We nullified their forward threat, and they forgot how to defend. They basically just... And whilst, we, whilst the three goals we scored were pretty decent, I don't see a team like Darnsley playing like that again against us. The other thing I think about that is the fact that they're almost not our fight, because they're, going, they're, they're trying to sneak into that top two. We're trying to sneak into the bottom of the playoffs. So if we if we get a point on Saturday, yeah, it's good. But if we lose, I don't think it's the end of the world. Barnsley will mark the farewell to Alfie Mawson, who unfortunately has been forced to retire at the age of 29. Absolutely far too young uh, for a footballer. And having listened to some of his recent appearances on podcasts, you know, what he went through and the fact that he was still trying to play through uh, what we can only imagine to be immense pain. Um, he's he was a hero already, um, but I think this just solidifies him as a as an Adams Park hero, as a hero of HP twelve, just taken far too soon. Before we go, um, guys, what's your favourite Alfie Mawson appearance in the famous Blue Quarters? I'm going to go ahead and say that Barnsley game away earlier this season. 
It's, it's the best I've, ever, I've seen one of our central defenders play for a long time. He won every header that came forward and he made them look average. There's two things I that will always stick in my memory um, about Alfie. Um, the first one is the, the very, very obvious one um, in his first spell, uh, Luton away. Uh, I think every Wickham fan will always remember that. And every Wickham fan will probably wish that he'd have had an absolute mare that day because if he'd have had a mare, he would have signed for us permanently by the sound of it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that that for me is my um, my overriding memory. The funny story that I always tell about Alfie is um, I bumped into Paris Cowan Hall um, in McDonald's in Asda, of all places, um, after I think we played Newport away on Alfie's debut. And uh, Paris's exact words were, Aaron Pierre brought a ringer. Uh, his name's Alfie Mawson, and he's going to be he's going to play for England. That was his uh, that was his prediction after playing with him once, and I think he trained for the team once. And he wasn't too far away from being right. And I think when other pros look at somebody at that really early stage in their career and think so highly of them, um, I think that says a lot about him. Um, I think also we've got to say a lot about the man, you know, how many players would have dropped down to League One and just come and played to try and rekindle their love of the game. There's not too many players who would have done it. You know, you see his family at every game um, and still at every game since he's retired. Um, so there's obviously a real relationship between him, his family and the club, which will hopefully continue for many, many years. But I think, you know, more importantly than, than Alfie the footballer, we've got to hope and and pray that, that Alfie the man is, is all right. He gets over this blip and whatever he decides to do next is very, very successful. And I think, you know, there's much bigger things. We took a bit of a risk signing him, yes. But was it worth it? Absolutely. The games that he played um, prior to his injury, he was absolutely outstanding. Far too good for this division. And he's um, he's won us far more points um, than he's cost us, and I think for a centre back at this level, um, that's a that's a huge compliment. You know, he was he was faultless this season. I don't remember one mistake. And for me, it's it's, it's one of the biggest tra- travesties in in football. You know, when a young kid like that, with with the world at his feet. It's just hampered by such horrific injuries. I'm sure we'll get a good reception from the Barnsley fans as well. Um, and like we said earlier, hopefully there's a big crowd there to see him off. But I, I've got a feeling that we'll be seeing him around Adams Park a bit more. I think it's going to be looting away, isn't it? But then also, I'll remind you of that assist versus Oxford this season. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was a beautiful ball in for free, you know? But it says something about a player when... Yeah, his defending was absolutely spot on, but the like the provision that he had for for some of the goals and some of the goals he scored, uh, you know, as well that that just demonstrates what a complete player he was. It's really gutting that he's he's finished um, his career so soon. I really, you know, when we signed him, I thought, oh, if we get ten fifteen games for him for the season, that I'll be happy with that because it's his experience, is having him around the club. It's a bit like having Bayer around for the last game, you know, last season. Uh, he, you know, he, what he contributes in terms of personality is just as much as what he contributes on the pitch. But the fact that we got as many games as we did out of him was 
fantastic. And, you know, his, his parting, uh, his last ever game to uh, goad the Ipswich fans and uh, wave him off at the end is uh, a fitting <laughs> tribute to uh, to the man. So, yeah, is I would love from an experienced point of view to see him come in as a coach. I don't know what his aspirations are after football, but I think his love for Wickham that he's, he's demonstrated through his interviews, you know, the, the mutual, you know, uh, relationship we've got between club and player, or former player. Um, I'd love to see him come back as a coach. I think it, that that would be huge, especially for our developing players as well, to learn of a player of that calibre. Um, before we do go, I, I, I know that we've kind of given some hints of predictions for the game, but I'm going to go around the room. Uh, rapid fire score predictions... Adam, kick us off. How do we see it going down? 2-2. Tight, cagey, maybe a bit of late drama. 5-0 Wickham. Fire us into the playoffs. (laughs) Nah, I'll go uh, go high score and draw. I reckon we're going to sneak it 3-2. Ooh, you love to hear it. I I do love a famous, I I love a classic 3-2. That'd be lovely. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 1-0. I'll I'll take a 1-0. Um, any day. Uh, right, that will do it for this week. Thank you for joining for another episode of the Heroes of HP12 podcast. If you've liked what you've heard, consider subscribing on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Heroes of HP12. You can follow Adam at APCWWFC, Dan at Dan Clark PR, and Damien at Damo1507. We'll be back next week for another unmissable episode. Until then, stay well and come on you blues. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.